The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. So at Doxa, we're in the middle of a process where we're renewing our commitment to mission. If you've been here before, or you're here right now, you see like we have four words on these banners behind me. Jesus, worship, community, mission. What we said before is that's really the, 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 the I don't know if you say values, but the DNA of who we are and what we're about. We said, hey, we don't know what kind of church we'll be five years from now, but we know that this is what we're going to be about. We're going to be about Jesus. We're going to be about worshiping him. We're going to be about living in community with each other under the banner of Jesus. And we're going to be about mission. Uh, but what we were kind of convicted of, not kind of, we were convicted of this through this summer was, uh, you know, out of those four words, like we love Jesus and we uh, want our lives to, to be about worshiping him and we want to, and we really are committed to living in community that the fourth word on those banners, mission, uh, we weren't very strong in. In fact, we were pretty weak on. It's one of those things that you talk about, but that you don't really um, your life doesn't really reflect it. Uh, maybe your life isn't like mine, but you talk about getting healthy, but you're, or being healthy, or eating healthy, your life doesn't reflect it. You talk about valuing your, your spouse, but you never like spend time with them and invest in them. You talk about your, your family, or you talk about some sort of commitment. You talk about whatever, but you never actually do it. There's a lot of talk, but not a lot of doing, and we realize that's where we were as a church. Like, we love Jesus, we're about worshiping him, we live in community, but the mission part, uh, we're very, very weak on that. Like, some of us are really living life on mission, but, you know, as a generally as a church, and it, the, what I was convicted personally that that's, that's the case in my own life, that I have a, a lack of, like, I talk about mission. I want somebody somewhere to live the mission of Jesus and, and reach the people that Jesus wants to be reaching, uh, but I wasn't really doing it actively in my life, and I was really convicted of that, and I think... As a church, we've kind of been working through the process of our, going through our, how, do we, how do we renew our commitment to Jesus' mission? How do we renew our focus on his mission? And as part of doing that, we're in our second week of a four-week series, really based on verse 16 of John chapter 10. It's called, the, the series is called There Are More, but here let's, let's read again. If you have your Bible, you can turn uh, back to the, the passage that we were just in. And let's look at particularly verse 16 of John chapter 10. Jesus said, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock one shepherd. And here's what our purpose is, our, our hope is for this series as we're looking for four weeks at this one verse. Here's our hope. Our hope is that it will light a fire within us to, to renew a fire and a focus on Jesus's mission. We're praying that it will bring a fresh focus to us on what truly matters or what, the, or what matters most to Jesus out of all. There's a lot of things that matter to Jesus. What's the things that matter most to him? What is his primary purpose, his primary mission? Because here's the deal. If you're in here and you're a Christian, 
and, and you say, hey, and any, this is the heart of any Christian, the heart of any Christian, no matter what you're going through, you might be kind of wandering away, you might, your heart might be kind of cold, but the, at your heart of hearts, at the heart of heart of heart of hearts, is that a thing? At the very core of who you are, you really want to grow in your relationship with Jesus. You really want to love what he loves and follow what he, wherever he leaves you. You want to obey him and whatever he calls you to do. And here's the deal. There's no way that we can be growing, truly growing in our relationship with him. There's no way that we can truly be following him. There's no way that we can truly be calling him Lord at any real deep level and not truly care about his mission. Not truly care about what his primary, the, the reason that Jesus took on flesh and became a man, the reason that he lived a perfect life and the reason that he died a substitutionary death and was raised to a triumphant, amazing resurrection. This whole passage that we read, uh, that Tyson read for us from 11 through 16, is showing us, is telling us about what God cares about. It's about his mission. I always try to hide that water bottle from me. I always try to, I always try to find it without letting you guys know that I'm looking for it, but it's always kind of all, all the way around. This whole passage is about, is about what God cares about. It's about his mission. It's about what caused him to send his son to earth as a man. And it shows us, and this is the beautiful thing, it shows us God's heart towards us as mankind. Uh, Justin spoke last week on the, the Trinity and about how the, the purpose of creation was for the, the Trinity, who is not in any need of relationship, self-sufficient in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, how the, the purpose of creation was to pour out the joy and love that existed inside the Trinity. If you didn't listen to it, you can go back and listen to the podcast, to, to pour out the love and joy that was self-existent in the Trinity out upon us as mankind. And that is most clearly shown to us through Jesus Christ. So what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at three sets of people that Jesus talks about in this passage as we're looking at, like, God, show us about your mission and ignite in us a fire for your mission, your passion for your mission on earth. We're going to look at three groups of people. They're, first of all, the missing sheep, secondly, the missionary guide, and third, the missionary sheep. The missing sheep, the missionary God, and then the missionary sheep, G Dale, they all start with M. I think it pleases Dale, old Baptist, when I have a alliteration going on. So every now and then I'll throw it. I don't like doing alliteration, but I'll throw it for him every now and then just to, just to make him happy because I love to make Dale happy. I mean, look at him. It, it doesn't, when Dale smiles, this is Dale, everybody. He's one of the other elders at Docs. Like whenever he smiles, it just light up a room. I just love to be able to do that. First of all, the missing sheep. Jesus, in this passage, as he's talking about the, being the good shepherd and all the good shepherd does for his sheep, he was talking to the Jews. And the whole identity of the Jewish people was wrapped up in the fact that they were God's chosen people. It began with Abraham, went all the way through the line after Abraham, the patriarchs, to Moses, where uh, God renewed or, or laid out further his covenant with his people. And, and all the way through the Jews, the whole identity about the Jewish people was that they were God's chosen people. They were privileged to be God's people, but they were also obligated because they were privileged to be God's people. They were also obligated to God as their ruler and to their Lord. And, and God, so that this, so 
they were his people, he was their guide, and he called them specifically this, to one of the ways that he described his relationship to his people was he described himself as the shepherd of the sheep of his people. Because uh, they would have really understood that because they were, uh, they were an agrarian society. They were, uh, a lot of them had herds and flocks. And so whenever God talked about him being the shepherd to the sheep, it really gave a, a picture of what it was like for them to follow the shepherd. Because the sheep are not self-existent. They can't find water on their own. They can't find food on their own. They're very dumb. They're very stubborn. They have to have a shepherd to care for them and guides them so they can survive. And that's what, that was God's relationship to his people. He says, you are my sheep and you cannot exist on your own. If you're going to exist, you have to get all your sustenance from following me. This is what the covenant with God, to, that's to describe this relationship God had with his people. It was a covenant. And this is what the covenant looked like. He said, I will be your God and you submit to me. I will take care of you and you submit to me. I will take care of you and you submit to me. And then what it did was it established who was in and who was out with God. Who was in with God was God's chosen people who he made this covenant with, who he said, I will be your God. And it was the people who had submitted to him as his people. But that didn't last very long. In fact, it, it, it lasted like a skinny minute. Like, you know how like, like those very golden moments, if you have kids, if, you're, if you have kids, like you know those really golden moments where you say, hey kids, this is what I want you guys to do. And you have like the five and a half minutes where everybody in the house does exactly what you asked them to do, and it's glorious. And then everything starts to fall apart. Like, that's kind of what it was like with God and his people. He said, I will be your God, you follow me, and that lasted for like five and a half minutes, and then everything started to fall apart. And so most of the Bible, most of the Old Testament is God saying to his people who have fallen away and run away from him, look, I'm calling you back. I'm calling you back to me. And then there's these big chunks where he actually addresses his leaders, the leaders of his people, and he condemns them because he says that they are not good shepherds to his people. They are they're not truly caring for his people as under-shepherds should, as leaders under the leader. They're selfish and they're looking out for their own interest. And so then, that gives you a little bit of background to then what it means when Jesus stands up before the Jews and he says, I am the good shepherd. That, that word good, it means good, but it, it, it really carries with it the picture of of, of a being a noble or a worthy shepherd. He said, I'm the shepherd who is good or noble or worthy. I'm the shepherd who is worth following. And then he describes why he is the shepherd who's worth following. And he says, I am the sh good shepherd who lays down his life, verse 11, who lays down his life for his sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd, the worthy shepherd, the shepherd who is truly worth following because I have come to lay down my life for you, the sheep. That would have been a crazy idea for the Jews to hear. For sheep who are dirty and nasty and just stupid, really kind of animals, for a shepherd to say that he would sacrifice his life for the sheep is really something amazing. It doesn't speak to the value of the sheep. It speaks to the value of the shepherd. He's a noble or worthy shepherd because for us, dirty, nasty, straying, 
dumb sheep. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? For us, dumb sheep, he came and gave his life for us. Isn't that amazing? For the missing sheep, for, the, for those sheep who, were, who are always straying, which is the picture that he gave in the Old Testament. He says, you guys are sheep and you're always straying. You're always running away. In fact, Isaiah said, you like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. Everyone, has, everyone like a dumb, stupid sheep is running his own, his own way, his own direction. And you con- we are consistently tripping over our own feet. We're consistently getting caught in brambles. We're consistently finding ourselves as wolf bait. We're consistently finding ourselves under the charge of hired hands who are selfishly using us for their own good. That's where we find ourselves as sheep. And the truth was, that was both the Jews and the non-Jews who continually were running away from God. But then Jesus says this thing, speaking of non-Jews, that really would have stood out to the Jews. Golly. Who really would have stood out to the Jews. I'm just going to leave that alone. Who really would have stood out to the Jews. He said this in verse 16. He said, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold or not of this flock. What he was saying, he was specifically talking about the Gentiles. He was saying, hey, you Jews, you're my chosen people. You are here in my flock. You're here in my sheep fold. That sounds like a, a weird thing to say fold, but it really means like an, an enclosed uh, area where you put the sheep and they'd be safe, right? Like they would be fenced in and safe from predators and safe for the sheep being able to wander off on their own. He says, I have other sheep who are not of this fold or not of this flock, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. He was speaking of taking the gospel outside of the Jews and saying, hey, I have people among the Gentiles. But also it's a principle that we have seen throughout the history of of the church throughout the history of Christianity that Jesus says there are sheep who are outside of this flock and I must go out and get them as well. There are missing sheep. There's this story that Jesus told where he was speaking again to this agrarian society, to the Jews, and he says, what one of you, if you have a a flock of 100 and you're bringing them in at the, at, the, at the beginning of the night, and you're counting them as they come into the fold, as they come into the enclosed area, and you're counting them off one by one, and you find out, I only have 99. I'm missing one. Will you not go out and go out and find that one? You'll search the hills. you go wherever you have to do, wherever you have to go, do whatever you have to do to go out and find that one. It's sort of like, hey, if if you've got, you got like four kids, what one of you, when you like put them all to bed at night, you realize they only got three? Well, that's, that's a pretty good batting average. We'll just call it a night. No, you're going to go out and you're going to find that one, wherever that one is. And we're not only God's sheep, but the, the, the other picture that God has for his, his flock is a family. And God's the father. And Jesus, the son, is called our older brother, and you or I are called his children. And what one of you, whenever you are missing a child, will not make sure that the ones that you have are okay, but you're going to go out and find that one. 
And until you find that one, you and your whole household, all of your resources, everything that you have is going to be dedicated to go out and find the child who is not in your home to bring them home to safety. That's the restless mission that God has for his sheep or his children. Having most of them is not enough. He is always going after the one that is out and is straying away. I have more sheep who are not of this flock. They're not in the safety of this fold. They're not in the safety of this, the confines of this fence. And I must go out and find them. And he says, I will find them. They will hear my voice and I will bring them here. You, you hear that wording in what he says? They will hear my voice, and I will bring them here. Do you know why it's a problem that there's lost sheep? It's a problem that, that there's lost sheep and lost children because there's, it's dangerous outside of, of Jesus' fold. It's dangerous outside of the safety of his safe flock. That's what Jesus, the picture that he paints here. Uh, go, go back in verse verse 11. He says that, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down his life. He lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, so the one who does not own the sheep and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he's like, man, I am out of here. He leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand, he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me. I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He describes them, first of all, that the world outside is dangerous. He talks about the wolves that are hunting the sheep down and the hired hands who are watching them irresponsibly and selfishly. And the first son of trouble, they are out of here. You guys know, right? Like, if you're a parent, uh, uh, you leave a babysitter in charge of your kids, like, you know they don't care as much about your kids as you care. You're just hoping, like, they're reasonably responsible and they're gonna, you're going to come back and they're in one piece. They're, they are not going to care and love for your children the way that you do. They are literally paying them to stay at your house and keep your kids from dying or injuring each other. They do not care about them the way you do, and a hired hand does not care about the sheep the way Jesus does. And it really matters because the wolf that he's describing is the enemy of your soul and mind whose desire, whose end goal is to separate you from your creator for all eternity. He is a roaring lion who is seeking who or what he may devour. He is after your soul. He's after the souls of your friends and neighbors. He's after every single person on the face of the earth to keep them away from the fold of the good shepherd. And the good shepherd says, that's a dangerous place for, you, for a sheep to be out wandering in. And that's why the, the wording that he uses here gives the picture of lostness. In fact, that, that illustration that, we, that Jesus gave earlier about the 99 and the one who is lost, he describes that one as lost or wandering. In this, in this section, he says the wolf will come in, the hired hand drops it, leaves, and the sheep get scattered or lost. 
It's a dangerous place to be outside the fold of God because that means that you are lost. It means you are away from the protection of the good and noble and powerful and strong shepherd and there is a wolf who is seeking to devour you. And that means that all of God's sheep who are not yet in the fold, that's the situation they are in. They may not realize it. Man, sheep have no idea of pending danger. They are just partying down however sheep may party down. They're eating the grass they found. They're drinking the water. They're having a big old time. They think everything is fine. And isn't that the case with many of our friends and neighbors, right, that we care about, or family members who are not a part of the fold? They're out, and they, have, they, they think everything is fine with their life, and you see they are outside of the fold, and they, they, you see that there is a, a wolf that is seeking to devour them. Or do you see that? Or do you just kind of see them as just your neighbor, or just your family member, or just that person at work that's continually annoying you because they eat so loudly at the desk beside you? Isn't that annoying? That just drives me crazy, the loud eaters. And I would, be, I would just want to like, honestly, like, I'm just like, put them out of their misery. But yet, but yet even loud eaters, even bad neighbors, even annoying family members, they are sheep who are lost and who are outside the fold. And they are a person that God cares about. He describes him as lost, but the other thing that he describes him, and this is really encouraging, is look at verse how he describes them in verse 12 and 13. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees the wolf and snatches them and scatters them away. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own own and my own know me and then whenever he talks about there are sheep who are not of this fold he says they he still calls them his sheep that's the wording that's there he's calling them his sheep who are outside the fold so even though they are lost he's calling them his isn't that amazing you know what that means that means that those sheep of Christ who are lost and who are outside the fold, they are not outside of his care and provision. That he is the good shepherd who is watching over them even from afar as they are wandering outside the fold. And he has determined that though they are wandering now and they are lost sheep, he has determined that they will be found, that they will hear his voice, and that they will be brought home. That's the missing sheep. You know what that tells us about? It tells us also about the missionary God. Look, look at how Jesus describes himself. He describes himself as the shepherd. Isn't that amazing? God who has no need of us, who is at, at no mercy of us. He isn't missing anything without us, yet he has this tender and caring love for us that he describes as the love or the care of a shepherd for his sheep. Not only just the care for a shepherd for his sheep, but the un unimaginable, even to these, shepherds, uh, to these shepherds who would have owned sheep, unimaginable to them that a shepherd who cares so much for his sheep that he would then give his life for his sheep. That's the reason Jesus came. He contrasts himself with the wolf 
who comes in to devour and scatter, and also he contrasts himself with the hired hands who are just doing it because they're getting a paycheck at the end of the day. He says, I'm the shepherd who owned the sheep, and I'm so committed to caring for them and bringing them into the fold that here's what I've done. I took on flesh. God became man. God, the man, lived a perfect life and then died, as the beautiful picture, a substitutionary death for his sheep. He, in other words, he took on the, the, what, the punishment and discipline that you and I had coming for us for being straying sheep. He took on the punishment himself and became the lamb who was slaughtered for our sin. So you know what that means? That means Jesus is the shepherd and he's the lamb who was slain for you for me. That's how much Jesus cares. That's how much God is committed. He's, he's the missionary God. You want the picture there? It means that God left the comfort of heaven and came to earth and humbled himself as a normal, ordinary, not just a normal, ordinary man, but the most normal and most ordinary peasant Jewish man in the backside of the Roman Empire. in a forgotten area, lived a life of a short amount of fame in a very small area that lasted like for six and a half minutes before the people turned on him and then decided that he needed to be killed instead of a common criminal. And in doing so, he took on your sin and your punishment and my sin and my punishment. He's the missionary God who left the comfort and came to us. And that's so beautiful because here's the thing. He's the shepherd, but he knows what it's like to be a sheep. That's what the incarnation means. It means that even though he's the shepherd, he knows what it's like to live life on this earth with all the limitations and all the frailties and all the disappointments and all the problems that you and I encounter day to day. Isn't that amazing? There are many leaders who have no idea what it's like to be a normal, ordinary person. You know, they, they talk about the price of milk test. A- ask a leader how much does a, was it, does a uh, gallon of milk cost? And if they know, like most of them don't even know because they have, somebody else buys their milk for them. Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be a humble, lowly person like you and like me. He cares for us. He came for us. And then it says that you and I were given to him by the Father. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, you're not a believer because you were sitting in a room or talking with somebody one day and they shared the gospel. And many of us, it wasn't the first time that we heard the gospel. It might have been the 10th or 12th or 1200th time that you heard the gospel. For some reason, it made sense that day, right? Think back to whenever you became a Christian. For some reason, that day, it made sense. And all of a sudden, what before seemed 
boring or odious or, uh, or like insulting to you all of a sudden became precious and beautiful and lovely. And though you would never would have wanted to submit yourself to anybody else's rule, all of a sudden you willingly submitted yourself to the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember that moment? You remember that time? I think it would do good for a lot of us to think about that moment a lot more. Think about the time before and that moment and what it was like and what it's been like after. But, 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 but think about that, that moment. All of a sudden, you saw the beauty that was found in the face of Jesus Christ. That didn't happen because you were just, that moment, smarter than you were any of the other moments that you heard the gospel. It didn't happen that moment because you and all the people around you who heard the gospel who didn't have, who have not responded is not because you are smarter or brighter or more intelligent than them. It happened because God sovereignly breathed his breath into you at that moment and made you alive. You know what that means? That means that he had his name upon you and his hand upon you when you were far away from you from him and he was guiding your life he was guiding you to that moment where he would breathe life into your dead soul and he would draw you to his own to himself and he would bring you from outside the fold to inside his fold he would adopt you as his child he would bring you from darkness into life into light he would bring you from deadness into life that's what happened whenever you converted and it happened because he sovereignly breathed his life upon you and drew you to himself we are his sheep because he, we were given to him by the father you know what that means that means god determined to love you it is no accident your existence is no accident and your being a child of his is no accident he brought you to himself isn't that beautiful isn't that amazing isn't that a reason to worship him I mean, if you weren't worshiping before, like not because I'm preaching great, but because of the truth that I'm proclaiming to you, that should stir all of our souls. If you're a believer, to like tears should be falling down our faces and our hands should be raised. We should be on our knees in incredible gratefulness that he determined to bring us to Christ. It is no accident. Jesus is, you were given to God by the Father, and Jesus was and is committed to bring his lost sheep home. Jesus leaves the 99 for the one. He leaves heaven for us. He is the missionary God for us, the missing sheep. So the truth is, every single person has at one time been a missing sheep. And the missionary God came after us and brought him to himself. So once we're brought to him, what should that mean for us as the sheep who are in the fold? You know what it should mean for us? Verse 16 should continually ring in our ears as the sheep who have been brought into God's flock and God's fold. When Jesus says, there are other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also. It should ring within our ears. We should hear our shepherd, the lover of our souls, our Lord, our Savior, our King, saying to us and before us, there are other sheep 
There are those who are outside of this room and outside of this flock who do not know the beauty that is found in the face of Jesus Christ. They do not know the safety that it means to be inside this fold, inside this flock. There are others in your neighborhood and in your workplace. There are others all along Myrtle Beach. There are others this morning, right now, in homes and workplaces scattered around this place. There are others on the beach and on the golf courses. There are others, who sheep, who are not of this fold, and they must be brought to him. He says, I must bring them. And what should we say? We should say, let us go with you. Bring us with you on your mission to bring them in. And we know this is heart because if you have your Bible, look over to John 17. I want you to see this. I'm just going to quote it to you. I want you to see it with your own eyes. John 17, verse 18, Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer here, and he says to the Father, as you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. Chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, he's talking to the disciples after the resurrection, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Even as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Most of you guys know that, right? But if you don't, it's called the Great Commission. It's where Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You know what he's saying there? He's teaching them to be my sheep. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are sent. Did you hear what we just read? We are sent as his sheep who have been found and brought into the fold, brought into his flock. We are sent as his sheep, just as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus sends us. We are sent by Jesus just as he was sent. Now, here's the question that we have to think about, right? So we should hear, like, how did God send Jesus? God sent Jesus to be a, a missionary to us. He humbled himself, and he, he emptied himself of the privilege that came with being God, and he lived a, 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 sacrificial, a sacrificial life. He died a sacrificial death. And so when we hear Jesus saying, I'm, I'm sending you, just as the Father sent me, that should ring in our ears, and maybe we should even, if we're going to be honest, we should ask the question, like, why would we do that, Right? Because what that means is, what is that expressly is saying is, Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to live a harder, more complicated life than you would otherwise. Jesus says, I'm calling you to live a more sacrificial life than you would otherwise. Because if we're going to be engaged in the Father's mission, there are more, there are sheep who are not of this fold, who are not of this flock, and they must, I must bring them, and they will hear me. If we're going to be truly dedicated to that, it's going to change our lifestyle, isn't it? It should. 
it should absolutely change our lifestyle. And maybe something that we should be asking right here is we're just sitting here, just personally. You don't have to turn around and tell your neighbor or yell it out to me. But maybe we should be thinking, like, what would that mean for me to change my lifestyle so that my lifestyle matches with Jesus' lifestyle of being engaged in his mission? There, there are more sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them also. What would that look like? Why would we do it? Well, first of all, I think we would do it because we love Jesus. If you're a believer, you love Jesus. And if you love anyone, particularly Jesus, then you're going to care about what he cares about. And if you don't, if I don't, if we don't care about what Jesus cares about, then maybe we, there's, we should take it back and say, all right, how much do I actually love him? But if we do care for him, then we should care for what he cares about. And what does Jesus care about? He says, there are more sheep who are not of this fold. And how do we know that he cares about it? Because he took on flesh, because he sacrificed his life for those sheep, and because he says I, he's committed to bringing them, the ones who are not of this fold, in also. Why should we care? Because he calls and he commands us to do so, right? We just read three passages. It's not the only three passages where he says, I'm sending you just as the Father sent me. And here's the cool thing, which we're going to get to in a minute is he doesn't call us to do anything that he doesn't commit his resources to. He doesn't call us to do anything that he doesn't commit his resources for the assurance that his mission will be accomplished. Why should we do it? Because we love him and he calls and commands us to do so, but also because the most serious of issues are at stake, right? We're talking about eternity, we're talking about salvation. That's the wording that's used here that, that, that we see in, in when sheep are lost and who are, who are saved and brought into the fold. It means salvation. And I, I think we hear sometimes that in Christian circles and we, we don't really get the meaning behind it. Like to be saved means to be saved. It means there was incredible, impending, and terrible danger that we were then rescued from. And we get to participate with Jesus in the rescue of other people who are in the same impending doom and danger that we were in ourselves. How do we do that? We're going to talk about that some more particularly in the coming two weeks and some very more you know, street level, how do we do that? But first of all, let's, let's look at this, that how, how can we accomplish, how can we go out if he's sending us just as he was sent? Well, well, hear that, what he says in here. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear whose voice? They'll hear whose voice? Yes, they'll hear his voice. They'll hear my voice. He's saying they... What is it? You know what that means? That means Jesus himself is the one who does the calling. You and I share the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, but it's not you and I that do the calling. It's Jesus that does the calling. It's his voice they hear as we speak. It's not our voice. And he says, it's 
Jesus himself who does the finding. He says, I must bring them also. In John 6, it says, no one comes to Jesus except the Father draws them or pulls them to himself. That should be really good news to us who feel called to join Jesus in his mission. He says, if you will go on the mission, I will be the one who will do the calling. They will hear my voice, not yours, and I will be the one who does the drawing or the bringing. You know what that means? It means all the heavy labor, all the heavy lifting is done by God. We get to participate. It's sort of like whenever I do something with Landon. You know, when he and I are doing a job around the house, when we're carrying a cooler around the corner, you know who does the lifting? I do the lifting. He gets, like, he gets the credit of helping move the cooler from one side to the other. But you know who did it? I did it. And you know what we get to do whenever we join Jesus in his mission is the exact same thing. We get to participate and hold the handle. We get to say words with our mouth, but all the heavy lifting is God. And you know why it has to be that way? Because anytime someone comes into the fold, it's a miracle of God bringing, breathing life into their soul just as he did into ours. Jesus himself does the calling and Jesus himself does the finding. There are other sheep who belong to Jesus who are not yet here. But you know what? They already belong to him. They already belong to him and he's committed. Hear this. Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity, they're all committed. He is all committed to bring them in. They belong to him. He's committed to bring them in and Jesus already promised us they will listen to his voice. Jesus said in John 6, all the Father gives him will come to me. God told Paul in Acts 18, I have many people in this city who are my people. In John 11, 51 through 52, uh, a priest unknowingly prophesied that God was going to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. You know what that means? That's our job. They're, they're already his sheep. They are scattered, but we get to go out with the shepherd and find his sheep and bring them in, bring them back home, call them back home. Let's go get them, right? Let's go get them because we don't have to do the work. He will do it, but you know what? If we don't, we miss out on the joy of participating with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in their great missionary endeavor to bring his lost children home. We will be a church of joy if we participate in this. We'll be families and individuals of joy if we participate in this. And no sacrifice will be too great or a cost too much. No lifestyle change will be too difficult because we will have the joy you can almost hear the laughter of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as we join them in their great mission that will be accomplished. I'm going to pray, and we're going to prepare our hearts for communion. And here's what I'd like for us to do this morning. Um, I would like for us together as a church, and, and for 
each of us individually, before you just jump up and participate in communion, uh, feel free to come forward at any given time. We're going to have two stations, one on each side. There's the matzah crackers and the juice. You take the cracker and you dip in the juice if you're a believer in Christ. It's open to every believer in Christ, no matter uh, if you're a member here or not from the outside, then you come back down the center aisle. But, but here, let, let's do this before you come, if you would. I would like for each of us to kind of weigh, like, how committed am I to Jesus' mission? And then weigh, like, Jesus, you pray a prayer to Jesus personally and say, Jesus, what changes do I need to make in my life so that I can line up with your great mission on earth? To bring your lost children, your lost sheep back home. And I believe that if we come forth in repentance and commitment to that mission, that he will fill us with his Holy Spirit in fresh ways. And we will see, we'll have many, many stories over the weeks and months to come of wonderful homecomings as his sheep and his children are brought home. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.